here in the United States, Dove is a brand of chocolate, and uh, at home in the UK, Dove is a brand of soap. And I was telling Lex this morning. Oh, sorry, it's dark chocolate. Yeah, I just oh, realised that. I'm disappointed. Yes. Yeah, um, I was telling Lex a story uh, because this is Lex's first visit to the states, so this is the first time he's uh, come across this chocolate brand. And about six years ago, the first time I came across the chocolate, my friend randomly said to me one day, I love eating Dove bars, which to a British person means he likes eating bars of soap. And then uh, I explained this to Lex, we found it rather humorous, and now we're both going to try some Dove chocolate. I've had Dove before, and I remember really liking it. So, uh, you ready to give it a go? So, is it actually the same company? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. So I'm trying to go on their website and they're telling me that the connection is not private, which is wonderful. Nice. I'm going to try this. I don't particularly like dark chocolate, so if I like this, then it is good chocolate. It's just dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of disappointing. Hold on. Oh, it's a little message inside. I don't know about where an adventure ends. Amanda J. Indiana. Dove. Okay. I rate it like six. Six out of what? Nine. Thirty. Oh. No, come on, it's the chocolate index. You rate chocolate out of nine. Did you not know that? It's international law. Hmm. Do you like? What do you think? I must admit, as far as dark chocolate goes, it's alright. It's hmm. alright. I quite like it, but I'm not the biggest dark chocolate fan either. Hmm. But that was quite nice. Um, what do you think of America, Lex? Hold on. It's I'm good. St- you're still eating that chocolate? Yeah. Hold on, I'm going to need to go drink. <laughs> it really does mess with your mouth, doesn't it? It does, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, we're in San Jose, sunny San Jose. Uh, yesterday we attended AltConf for the Apple keynotes, where they announced a load of stuff. Um... A load of stuff. We're going to go through that today. Uh, so we're going to skip over the usual segments. There'll be no blowing fix it. No nanotopics. Nothing. That will all resume in two weeks time. Um, but today we're just going to talk about what went down in the keynote. And uh, yeah. Rather than wasting time with uh, <laughs> Dove chocolate. <laughs> I think we should, um, we should do a little, a little chat. Uh, have you got your notes? Slash my notes. I do. I started off taking notes, but then I got too annoyed with having to write everything <laughs> with ha- by hand. So you're a peasant who doesn't have a keyboard on their iPad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a peasant that also decided not to take my MacBook Pro with me. And there you go. Yeah. Oh, I got a new MacBook Pro. Oh, yeah. We should probably mention. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lex now has a 2018 MacBook Pro. Um, yeah. He's not a scrub. He didn't like buy it and then new ones came out. He just uh, got a good deal on a 2018 one. Yeah, and it seemed like a no-brainer. Um, and he's got six cores of glory. Yeah, which at the moment is just basically being like, a, it's a little hot water bottle. It's a warm boy. And I boy. did fall asleep with it last night. So It's a warm boy. I it mean, is. my 2016 13-inch gets ridiculously hot, and that's only got two cores. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I hate three to, times I the cores. I hate course. to think what the 2019s have. Yeah, what they feel like. They weren't even a thing when we last recorded. Since we last recorded, there's new iPod Touches and new MacBook Pros. They are so irrelevant. They're really minor updates. 
Yeah. iPod Touch has an A10 chip now, uh, which is kind of cool, and more RAM, allowing it to run iOS 13. And maybe some slight redesigned colors. People aren't sure yet. I couldn't tell, but yeah, who knows? Um, I also got a new Mac. I got a strawberry iMac G3, uh, but we'll cover that more in Blue Ink Fits. Uh, Blue Ink Fix yeah, It. because obviously it doesn't work properly. <laughs> Blue Ink <laughs> Fix It in two weeks' time. We will cover that. Um, so let's get on with the show. Uh, the first thing I want to note is, as someone who's done a bit of app development in the past, I loved the introduction video at WWDC. It was solid. Um, the build failed thing really hit me hard, and I think everyone else <laughs> in the room as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, coding is like that. No matter how good you are, it's just a trial and error until something works. It's kind of, kind of mental how, like blind you are struggling through lines of code um but yeah the intro video was good as it usually is some years they're just cringe but this year it was a, it was a good one um any any thoughts any thoughts on that part of the keynote i enjoyed it i think and, and everyone did it was a yeah it was cool um yeah it was cool cool little video cool little video i'm like I don't know. I'm kind of excited for how rough this episode is going to be. Like, this is my this is my cup going down just to, <laughs> on the table. Just to get everyone used to it. Now, this is what it will sound like. There's going to be no proper editing for this because timing. We're at a conference and uh, we're in the same room, so editing is <laughs> going to be. If we wanted to remove something, the other person said it's near on impossible because the other microphone would have picked it up. So yeah, enjoy this uh this rough copy. Uh, okay, so let's move on to TVOS. Well, actually, I do okay. want to just talk about For All Mankind first, because that, that would look cool. Oh, I forgot to even take notes on that. Yeah. So this was the well, first cool. like trailer we had for anything on TV+, and it looked solid. It did look really good, actually. Um, the premise and the uh, actual production quality looked absolutely awesome. I yeah, was really excited. Cool. Uh, so Ronald got- D. Moore, that's the dude. So we got a trailer for uh, for All Mankind, which is basically, uh, the idea is the Russians got to the moon first, um, and the race still went on or something, I think. I yeah, think the premise it, is, what if it never ended? Essentially, I think. And uh, he's the uh, the creator, is the guy behind Battlestar Galactica, um, and some some Star Treks as well. Some there are lots of, of Star Treks, so. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a few. Um, Unfortunately, it's not J.J. Abrams. Um, but he is doing stuff for he's doing TV+. Stuff, yeah. So, but no. yeah, it does look really cool. It looks um, really cool. I was really hyped by that. I like the attention to detail that the astronaut drives drives a Corvette. Because yeah. like all astronauts drive they Corvettes. They all them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really good, really good teaser. It looks promising. I'm sure the next we'll hear of TV Plus will be at the iPhone keynote, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'd, I'd assume so. I don't think we'll hear anything else in the Another services keynote to like sort of round it all off, but we'll see. I, I guess I, I can see something really low key for like the when they actually launch, I suppose, or just before a week before, maybe something. Sometimes like that. Apple products deserve uh, or get second keynotes, like they get an initial introduction, so like the Apple Watch did, like September fourteen, then a second one in April fifteen. But some don't, like AirPower, which never materializes. So. Uh, <laughs> Still sorry, had to bring it up. 
Uh, cool. Do you want to move on to TVOS? Because at this point, we realised the keynote was incredibly fast-paced. Yeah. And it I was nearly two and a half hours long, and they didn't stop for a minute. They did not stop. It was so... It was a breakneck speed. Tim just did not stop talking. Honestly, feels like a blur. <laughs> yeah, right? They went through it so quickly. Wow. It's like, they talked about TVOS? Whoa. Um, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> that was right back... That was ages ago. Uh, yeah, that feels like last year. Um... The new design for TVOS, which looks cool. Um, it does look a lot more modern. It does look cool, and um, we'll touch more on design later. Um, but it, it does look nice. It does look nice. Uh, sort of a real proper revamp, first time we've had in a few years. Biggest update in quite a while, if not ever, as far as like just general UI goes. Um, big thing. Multi-user support. <laughs> How wonderful. Now, I, I have a theory about this, okay? Mm. I have a theory okay. about this. Multi-user support on TVOS is not where anyone wanted it, okay? <laughs> hmm. Like, I mean, the, the theory behind it and the reason it's there all checks out. Great. But that's not where it needed to be. Now, dark mode came to TVOS first. Then it hit macOS. And then it hit iOS. Spoilers. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering if that's where they're just testing the waters. I would say it's like the... There's the least stakes there. Exactly. So try it there. If if it goes wrong, no one cares. Exactly. Um, And more importantly, which I notice you actually, I don't think, do you have this in the notes anywhere? Uh, Yeah, you do. Sorry. Um, Oh, what? The uh, Swift UI? No, no, no. 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 More spoilers. HomePod multi-user support. Yeah, we'll get to that. Then we'll get to that as well. We'll get to that. So yeah, TVOS has multi-user. Basically, the idea is you're going to the control center on Apple TV, which is new as well. You'll select your face, and then everything will be tailored to you. So if you have a lot of people in your family, or even more than one, and you don't watch the same stuff, uh, which means you're fundamentally incompatible, sort yourself out. Uh, You need the same TV taste, uh, otherwise you're not going to last. Sorry to break it to you, because modern modern culture is all revolving around what you watch on Netflix and there's no way of bonding with your significant other unless you watch Netflix together. Fact. What a world we live in. Um, I must admit, this is kind of good because I mean there's only so many times that I can wake up in the morning and Holly is on my Apple TV. Console controllers. Console controllers. You can now use an Xbox One S or PlayStation 4 controller with your Apple TV and Mac and iPhone as well. That they didn't bring that part up, but we discovered afterwards that that is the case in the new versions of iOS and macOS. Uh, so brilliant! You don't need any made for made for iPhone, made for tvOS controllers anymore. You can just. I'm just, very very happy about that. Very happy about that. That saves me a good forty pounds, which I was inevitably going to spend on those Steel Series. And it's really cool that, uh, like, for example, if you're using PlayStation Remote Play on the iPad uh, mm. to stream from your PS4, you can now use the proper controller, which is really really cool. Fish AI. There are new fish screensavers. <laughs> yeah. They're going. Un- they're going. Um, Subnautica. Um, are these actual fish videos, or are they fish AI developed off the back of what was used in? Could be Activision. Maybe they've in got in contact. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me that they've partnered. Apple went right. We want some cool new Subnautica themes for our Apple TV, and clearly you guys, the people to come to, because your for, fish AI is for, on for point. all fish-related graphics. Right. Um, so yeah, do this. WatchOS 6. Um, <laughs> another solid update for WatchOS. Nothing dramatically changes, but 
every year we've had consistent solid updates uh, watch faces uh, I'll tell you right now we still don't have third party watch faces this became quickly apparent when Apple showed off lots of new watch faces they are remaining firm on this uh, they don't want developers making watch faces because their initial reason for it back in the day was it, they could degrade the quality and the effort we put into these watch faces I'm fine with that argument as long as they keep updating them and keep bringing out new ones and I think it's getting to the point almost now where there are so many and so many I don't like as well, but some I love. Like I want to be able to like properly just have like almost an Apple App Store for like just their watch faces. I want these gone. I don't even just want them removed. I just I just want some of them gone, but others mm. I want many varieties of. I think the problem is is that obviously the more they release, which is great, some of them you're going to like, some of them you're not going to like, which also means the more they release. Although you have more that you like, you also have more that you don't like. Exactly. Which just makes you want third-party ones even more because they're just filling your watch yep. with faces that you don't like. Exactly. Um, and the ones, I would say on the whole, the ones they unveiled are actually quite solid. Yeah, I'm happy um, with them. You've got the California one. You've got the new solar one where the, the clock like revolves around the position of the sun. Which looks interesting. I quite liked it, actually. I think I think it c- could look nice, but it would only be one of those... You could only use it with a certain like strat combination. Mm. It, that would only be a Milanese loop one. I feel like that wouldn't work on a sport band. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm. Uh, but no, they're cool. Uh, taptic chimes are now a thing. So on the hour, it will even tap you. Or if you have the sound on, it will play a sound. Now, the one they demoed on stage was a robin uh, that they... Brutally murdered at Apple Park. No. <laughs> captured. No, no, the Robins are okay, Lex. The Robins are okay. I'm glad. Kevin reassured us that the Robins are fine. I could see Kevin. Murdering birds. Oh, Kevin no, Lynch. Not necessarily murdering them, just capturing them. Capturing them and looking at them. Yeah, just have, have a wall in his, in his, in his <laughs> office of just birds. <laughs> He's a creepy guy, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you went there, not me. He is kind of creepy. Uh, but, you know, he's he's a proper nerd and he, he does good things for the watch, so I rate him. A um, few new apps to the Apple Watch. Audiobooks, voice memos, calculator, uh, which includes a tip button to quickly figure out tips and dividing the bill between people. Wonderful. So you now have another way to divide something <laughs> on a calculator. <laughs> the biggest thing on the watch this year really... I'd imagine, I'd say, kind of. There are a few big things, yeah. but I would say this is the most... This has has the potential to pave the way for the for the most. So there are a few developer things, but this was this is the one that we're referring to. Uh, Apple Watch apps now have the option to run independently of the phone, uh, which they tackled really well because there was speculation about an app store coming and how would they handle that when currently an Apple Watch app needs an iPhone companion app to run. You install it on your phone. Even if it does nothing, the iPhone app just sits there and then the little mini watch app gets pushed onto your watch but now that's no longer the case you can have a dedicated standalone apple watch app uh really easy to do in xcode you literally tick a box and say this can run independently Uh, obviously this really depends on how your watch app works so i've toyed with making one for freezer a few times that would just feed off the main app whatever you've got in your fridge or freezer would just pop up onto your wrist uh that wouldn't really work unless i made that watch app also allow like data entry and things like that but the watch doesn't have a real camera pain. so it's just it's just not going to happen uh, but I could release one that is dependent on the iPhone but the point is you can now download a watch app independently of the phone and have it run just on there um, and this is important because there is as we just said it was rumoured and yeah no there is now the app store on the watch uh, so you'll be able to browse apps download them straight to the watch 
Um, there's a streaming audio API, so apps like Overcast or Spotify, if Apple don't grab them by their parts, um, <laughs> allow you to just go over onto cellular, say on a run, and down and stream audio in the background. Um, and Kevin mentioned right before he left the stage, uh, there's a new UI framework coming next year, which I thought that was all we were going to hear of that, but we did find out more details of that later on. Um, so we'll get to that later. Um, another new feature, what I thought was really cool, is activity trends. Obviously, the watch has become more and more about fitness. Uh, that was where custom, what customers were starting to buy it for, so Apple decided to sort of like nail down on that and focus on it. Um, and activity quite often gets update big updates, I think, every year. So you got sharing two years ago, mm. then you got competitions last year, and this year you get uh, activity trends, so you can see over time... Uh, compared to like last year and over 90 days how you're doing is your exercise goal up are you burning less calories are you being lazy are you going to the gym are you on a health kick and you can see what's going on and it will obviously motivate you in the annoying passive aggressive way that the apple watch does um yeah any of that you want to comment on yeah i mean i think it just again highlights apple's commitment to the health side of things um it's something they just really double down on pretty much every year health and privacy uh, as far as I think they're concerned, their greatest contributions to the human race. Um, and yeah, again, just sort of double down, doubles down on that. And they're even linking those two together now. So all the new health stuff, they have to reiterate that it's all very private. Um, so they're going hand in hand with each other. Um, speaking of more health, uh, the noise, there's now a noise app on the Apple Watch, uh, which gives you noise alerts if you're in an area too loud that may damage your hearing for extended periods of time. Um, there's a complication for this where you can see a live readout of the, the noise levels in the room. Um, and again, this ties in with privacy. The noise app does not record or save any audio. Uh, so it's purely just a meter to tell you how loud your environment is. Um, more health stuff. They're bringing cycle tracking to the watch. Uh, this was really in-depth. Hmm, I was expecting it, was. it just to be like a little thing that's in the health app, but no, they've gone for a whole new UI and it gives hmm. you little little notifications like whether you're uh, in your most fertile period or, or what, or when to expect a period. So it's they've really gone into it um, more than I thought. But yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's come. you don't need an Apple Watch. It's coming to iOS as well in the health app. So pretty much any woman that has an iPhone can use this if they so wish to. Uh, but yeah, again, they reiterated that this is all incredibly private. So uh, they, they really have found a way to tie in the health and privacy features quite well. Um, and finally, they finished it off with a new Pride band, as we predicted months ago this year. It was a sport loop. We have both reserved one of these for in-store pickup, and we will be getting them at the end of the week. And we'll be heading out in San Francisco, both wearing matching Pride bands. We'll probably get mistaken for a couple. Thank God we're in San Francisco, where it's, where it's okay. Ma- matching shirts. Um, <laughs> and we're not going to get abused for wearing a Pride <laughs> yeah. strap. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um... Yeah, I, I think it's, it's all really cool. The cycle tracking thing is really cool. Um, I know Holly will appreciate that especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, well, I'm sure every woman will. There are lots of apps out there that already do that kind of thing. But obviously, you know, any native integration into the OS is always a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah, really cool. Uh, and the Pride Band is cool as well. I must admit, it's actually genuinely the first sport, um, sport loop. That's the one. Yeah. Um, did I like properly? actually i actually like it which is nice yeah and it'll be the first one for both of us it so, will be it will and be. i might when we're at the store picking it up i think i might buy that 
I think it's teal or I don't know what it's called. It's a mm. Nike one. Yeah, I've been meaning yeah. to get that. Um, that was the first one I sort of liked, but yeah, this one was. This is gonna be our first sport loop, so I'm kind of hyped. Uh, cool. Right, your turn. You can do iOS or at least some of it, and then I'll take over if you need be. Well, as per usual, um, the keynotes this part part of the presentation start off with my favorite statistic every year round is the <laughs> <laughs> never late, changes never changes the latest os adoption so ios 12 is running on 85 percent of all ios devices which is an incredible number um but it sounds about right you know i mean ios 12 performance focused and you know everyone should be on it i would argue for most things unless you like your battery life for some devices but yeah Definitely. Um, and then he, Craig turned to uh, Android 9, which is on 10%. 10% adoption rating. Now, I must admit, I feel like it's been, it's been lower than that. It's been lower than that. Definitely iOS been has been higher past. and Android's yeah. been lower. The gap is certainly smaller, but it's still gargantuan. And especially now that Android or, or Google uh, have made bigger strides to get these updates out to as many vendors as possible. Um, yeah. yeah. Google I.O. 2018, they made strides towards it and they've made more in 2019. But that was obviously only a few weeks ago. So come WWDC next year, it'll be interesting to see if they can still pull this figure up. I'm suspecting they can. I doubt the difference will be enough to make this no longer favorable for Apple to advertise. Yeah. Uh, but I would be interested to see the rates next year after Google are making another push so that people like Samsung or Huawei mm. get, well, not Huawei anymore, uh, but <laughs> Samsung, for example, um, or LG gets the latest Android updates. And yeah. so we I could see, see it doubling to like 20%, something I like that. I see it jumping. 20, 25%. Whatever they tried to do last year didn't work, so... No, Well, it did massive. a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A few percent. Um, cool, moving on. Uh, they've done some kind of black magic to a lot of things this year. Um, although iOS 13 does bring a bunch of new features, it seems like they're also, again, sort of focusing on performance and speed and just sort of nailing down the basics. Face ID now unlocks 30% faster. Um... No, I don't, he didn't specify about Face ID generation, so I don't know whether that's the same for the 10 as it is the Yeah, 10S. so I saw someone, I think it was Ben Mayo, tweeting about how um, iOS 13 Beta 1 on his 10 makes Face ID feel like a 10S. Okay, so that's cool. I don't know what it's, well, obviously it's made the 10S even faster, so we will see. Yes, sir. Um, another thing um, with the way they package applications, uh, app downloads are now up to 50% smaller mm. um, with 60% smaller updates. Now, about last week or so, Apple upped, silently sort of upped the, uh, the over-cellular download limit to 200 megs in iOS 12. Um, and now... This makes no sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> and now they're actually also getting rid of that limit entirely. In 13. Um, in iOS 13. Um, which obviously, because apps can now be, be really you know, half the size, which is wonderful, and also there's a lot of developer stuff in the background as to why that's happened, um, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, it seems seems odd. Why it's, would they? I, the... I don't understand. It's yeah. just, this is iOS 13 will be out in three months, and then they could have just waited. No one would have cared. Yeah, it's re- really odd timing to up the limit to 200 meg on iOS 12, then make the app smaller. Yeah. And then allow it in iOS 13. Like in iOS 13, if you download a large app over cellular, it warns you, but then gives you the option to do it anyway. This should have been here years ago. Years ago. Like when I used to be on unlimited data, it used to frustrate me so much. So much. Not on so unlimited much. anymore, but still got more than enough to download big yeah. apps occasionally. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's really, really annoying. Bane of my life about two years ago. Um, 
another couple of things as well. Uh, apps can now launch almost dub- doubly as fast. Um, again, sort of through to the, the the same you know under the hood work they've done to iOS, which is really cool. Just sort of even little performance bumps for everything, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unlocking a phone, downloading apps, opening apps, everything's faster, which is wonderful. Um, and that's kind of all the 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 out of the way un, un, under the hood stuff out of the way anyway. Um, so if we move on to features, we have. Dark mode. Dark mode. iOS, iOS now lives in the dark. It lives in the dark. Wonderful. Um, did we have some, we had some more under underwater fish AI? Things, we had didn't we, we had jellyfish we like had the jellyfish. ones on the Apple Watch. Yeah. Mm. Um, why have you got swipe? Oh, swipe keyboard. Cards? Oh, oh swipe. swipe keyboard. Right. Yes. Um, this is a cool thing. I must admit, I really do really that. cool. Yeah, I really miss this from Android. Um, I used it a lot. It's wonderful for like one-handed typing. It's perfect. Um, got a swipe keyboard, which essentially means you can drag your finger from one letter to the other and you trace around the keyboard and it types in the word for you. Pretty simple, but a great feature that Android has had for ages and I'm glad that it's finally coming over to iOS. Um, and it's also not just on iPhones either, but we'll come back to sort of what they've done with iPads later. Um, photos redesign. Again, it seems like every couple of years we get sort of a big photos upgrade. <laughs> um, this is another one. This is a big one. Mm. Um it kind of has been sort of uh, brushed on the carpet and left on the wayside with everything else they've announced, but it's a pretty major update, to be honest. Yeah. They've entirely... Although you can still get into very familiar views that we have now, the sort of... The, the basic view they are presented with is is totally different. Um, you can sort of zoom in and zoom out to sort of get more and less photos, kind of how it works almost on the Apple Watch with the digital crown. You zoom out and you get more and more, and it's sort of in a grid system. Um... But the big thing that they demoed, which I'm really quite pleased with, is that all those garbage photos, all those duplicates that you've got... Um, screenshots of memes and Twitter, screenshots and Twitter memes, quotes. Yeah. And, and uh, if you're us, photos of the insides of iPhones, I cannot tell you how many of those I have many. on my phone that I try to delete, but I just... Uh, it, all it takes is one day to forget to delete them, and then they're gone. Well, the thing is, I've been meaning to tidy up my library for a long time, and I always thought, well, one day I'll go into the screenshots album and just delete the ones that aren't important. Yeah. So this was made, if you wanted to do this, embark on this ridiculous task, uh, they did make it slightly easier when they added the screenshot album in, like, yeah. iOS 10 or something. Um, was it really only then? It might have been 9. I think it might have been 9. I feel like 9. Um, but, yeah, no, this is much better because AI does it for you. Yeah, how useful this will be depends on how well the AI works, and we will see. Love me some good machine learning. Um, Do you think it's powered by fish? fish? Fish, very possibly. Maybe, maybe if you have any duplicates of fish, it won't get rid of them. Favoritism. <laughs> favorites the fish. Yeah, favorites the fish. Um, yeah, which is really cool. So some big new features, uh, and yeah, it essentially condenses down all the duplicates. And obviously, it doesn't delete any of them. You can still see them, obviously, if you want to. But it kind of works like almost. Um, uh, sort of memories, but that's your default view. But memories mm. on steroids, essentially. Yes. Um, and, it, and it looks very well. I hope it works, is the thing. I think the, this will be sort of live and die on how well that, you know... Um, how well it works. How well it works. At the yeah. end of the day, if, if it works well, it'll be a great feature. If it doesn't, then I'd imagine I'm assuming we'll be swapping back to the sort of the... the uh, the entire view pretty quickly. Um, new share sheet as well, which is cool. Um... And this sort of follows uh, sort of a bit of a redesign as well. So it's much more like a a card-based system. It seems like they're moving towards how Apple Music is designed in sort of the rest of iOS as well, and obviously in the native applications. Um, 
Uh, obviously, you know, still in the same place, does what you would expect, but you get a lot more options as well. Um, again, it also uses machine learning to kind of, if there are people that, you know, you send a message to, to lots or um, based on a great many factors, you can have sort of uh, contact cards show up immediately and not just contacts, also the, the, uh, the method of communication. So whether that be email messages or WhatsApp, something like that, you get all of the different, you get those as well. So if you communicate with someone almost exclusively over WhatsApp, it's not gonna bring up, you know, would you like to why message this person? No, because you WhatsApp them. So it'll bring up WhatsApp as well, um, which is wonderful. Um, think what else have we got here? Uh, time synced lyrics in music, which is cool. Um, ripped off of Spotify, but why not borrow yeah. features? They're good. Why not? You know, what I would like. I really like um, Spotify's trivia features. I like their trivia. I like how they sometimes put them. Now they can put the music video over the song. Yeah, which is quite cool. But I also don't like that sometimes. I don't like that sometimes, and I'm just like cry at the thought of the data. Um, <laughs> yeah, also that. Um, yeah, so pretty straightforward. Time sync lyrics for music. Um, notes gallery view. So again, just a gallery view for your notes, much like you can see in Finder and things like that. Kind of looks like uh, you know um, desktop stacks that we got last year, um, but in in your notes, which is cool as well. Um, tweaks to Mail and Safari as well. Yeah. Um, so kind of all of the the sort of the uh, the core apps have had something done to them, pretty much. Yeah. But. Uh, Cool things like rich text editing uh, in in mail. It's it's all my, mm. and Safari had like yes. a uh, was it something like you can change the font based on website or something? I yeah, yeah. So it's for specific websites, you, you can, can make have, font bigger and larger. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, and there are more improvements to Safari on iPad, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Reminders has been completely rebuilt as we were expecting. It was almost a meme that it hadn't been touched since <laughs> yeah. iOS seven yeah. six years ago, um, which is when the Matt Pro last got updated. Um, mm. just a bit of trivia there uh, but then they completely redid it uh, the leaks suggested uh, had a rough outline of what it would look like and then we saw a screenshot of that uh, and then it was that and more so you've obviously, so it looks like uh, you've got four panels when you're greeted in the app um, and they do various things I couldn't take it sort of all in. It's the sort of thing I'm going to need to play oh, with when totally, we get the betas totally. there's but there so are, much information in such rem- a short time Reminders period. has gone from being yeah. as bare bones as it gets to really featured. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think they also, he also said on stage that they have completely rebuilt it. This is a new application. Yeah. They haven't worked, improved the odd one. They rebuilt it from the, from the ground up, which is really cool. Um, yeah, just hopefully it hasn't sort of taken away the ease of use, which some people really liked about it, but the vast majority of people just never touched it. So, mm-hmm. um, Maps has been rebuilt. Uh, yeah, again. They've been doing this for a while. Uh, so here in San Francisco, uh, when I was in Vegas the other month, I got to experience it there. It's more detailed, more rich. Uh, they aim to have this for everywhere in the United States by the end of 2019 and other cities in the world starting in 2020. Uh, and they've also made a nicer version of Google Street View. And what do they call it? Look around? Was Look it around? around? Yeah. So really smooth animations. Uh, really cool. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. No, no. Um, I must admit, I'm, the map stuff does look really, really good. Uh, Apple Maps is solid now. I, yeah. I very much prefer it to Google Maps. I really don't like the design or the functionality of Google Maps. I do. Um, the only thing that annoys me about uh, Apple Maps is when you're in London specifically. Now, our overground system isn't, it's public transport, but it isn't state owned. So it's privatized. And it does not, Apple Maps does not uh, bring up. Um, 
overground train systems as a method of transport if you want if you choose the train option as public transport it's really annoying <laughs> really really annoying they will be like six hours and you're like no no i can it's literally not. get a train from the station i'm standing outside of that gets me to this place in half an hour it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah it's really annoying that's that's why google maps is still on my phone because <laughs> so, it does that because it because it does it um also includes uh, like Thameslink and Southern and all the other lovely rail companies that are absolutely the best. Um, <laughs> uh, cool. So there is now an option to allow a location just once. So it's been changed up a little bit as they went through in State of the Union. I think they went into more detail of it. Um, basically, yeah. when an app requests a location, you now get the option to allow once or allow while using the app. Yeah. Um, if you say allow while using the app, and then the app goes to use your location in the background. Well, essentially what, they, what you're it saying is that they up. have removed the option to always, always allow. They've removed the option to always allow. Yeah. But if an app then goes to do that, it then prompts you. Prompts you. And um, you can see where the app has been using your location. That's, that, and, it, and what's interesting is that it does that periodically. So even if you say, I do want to always allow this application to, you, to uh, use my location, every so often, periodically, uh, iOS will you. show you... This is where this application has um, sort of um, requested your location. And uh, when they opened, they, they had a, a demo. Was, I, this was, in, was it State of the Union I think this was in? Yeah. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, it was kind of horrifying how you could see there was just pings all over San Jose and Cupertino. Yeah. Which this, this screenshot was on. It was like, okay. This is where I've cool. been using my location. But this is yeah. really cool. Say you it's want to, good. you're in an app, uh, say Uber Eats, for example, and you want it to get your location. Um, it's probably a bad example because I feel like if you're using Uber Eats, you might be using it a lot. But anyway, it's if you just want to allow your location to find your address right now, and rather than allowing the app permission going forward, it's really cool. Yeah. Sign in with Apple. This, this is big, and I really like this. You can go through it then. Uh, essentially, so you have those, whenever you are signing into a website or many applications these days, offer you little widgets that you can hit sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google. Now, there are issues with that. I'm sure if you are listening to this podcast, you are aware of those companies' <laughs> relatively dubious um, <laughs> relationships with personal data. One of them is worse than the other. No names are mentioned. Yeah. We'll let you figure that one out. Um, but, yeah, no, n- not always the best. But at the same time, obviously signing up with, um, obviously, an email address and a password, you know, not everyone has time for that. Um, so, obviously, you can sign in and, obviously, it you know, makes the experience a lot easier. But there is a trade-off. It means that, obviously... Um, you can have, you know, cross-website tracking as well, targeted ads and many, many more things than that. You know, your data can, you know, as they brought up a lovely slide, which, you know, says these people now have access to this lot of information. And it was, you know, birthday, nickname, the school that you went to, you know, everything that you'd have on Facebook, you know, realistically. Um, and that's not really what you want, to be honest with you. You know, it's just to, to see that the amount of information that they potentially have access to, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, it definitely, you know, Put you in check, so to speak. Um, and sign in with Apple essentially is a private alternative to this. Um, this little button looks exactly like those black, says has the Apple logo in, and it's called Sign In with Apple. Now, what this does is it allows users to sign into an application or a service with your Apple ID. Now, the really cool thing about this is that it does give you the option to hide your email address. Now, let's say obviously you're signing up for something and you would like to receive emails from. Um, uh, 
from the service uh, and being on be on the mailing list. It gives you an option as to whether you would like to share your actual email address with this company and service, or whether you would like Apple to hide your email for you and make a unique um, random email uh, domain for you. And your email will be forwarded from that into your inbox uh, straight away. So what that means is uh, the emails get sent to this random um, the inbox in the middle of nowhere in their servers. And then from there, it gets forwarded onto your email address so that the, 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 the company at the end, they don't have access to your email address. But you can still obviously get the benefits from being on their mailing list and things like that. Um, and again, at the same time, you know, this is all secure from Apple's end as well. They can't see any of this, read any of this. Those are random, um, you know, email addresses that don't mean anything. And uh, it's not just, you know, one, you, you get one for every service you sign up to. You get a randomly generated one every time. So there's no way to sort of, you know, track being like, oh, yeah, this random email address takes each of this person because every time that is randomized. Um, and that's really cool. It's really cool. You know, so essentially companies have no access to any of your information. Um, and yeah, they put, they showed up some companies um, of uh, you know services that are partnering with it and are offering it already or will be. Um, one of them was Warby Parker, which is that glasses service that they can mail to you, which is quite cool. And I've been sort of looking into. Um, and yeah, uh, hopefully it's really widely adopted going forward. Now the big thing about that is it's actually mandatory um, for applications that run on iOS now. So. Um, and and watchOS. If they offer a sign-in with Google or sign-in with Facebook button, they now have to offer a sign-in with Apple option as well, um, which I don't see any issue with that whatsoever. No, that's, that's brilliant. Thing. Um, Get it as widespread as possible. And the good thing is they also talked about this. They, they sort of elaborated on this quite a lot in State of the Union later as well because um, they, they did say that this isn't just benefit for the consumer. This is also a benefit for the business because obviously if... Let's say you do offer a, uh, a sign-in with Google or a sign-in with Facebook. That works two ways. Not only do, do, do Google and Facebook obviously get, um, you know, some uh, information from the consumer, they also get it from you, you know, the businessman as well, and obviously the uh, the developer. They have, you know, they would have um, app metrics and things like that. You know, how how big of a business you really are, um, which you might not necessarily want as well. So it does actually benefit both parties here in some ways. Um, obviously, if your business model, you know, works on harvesting people's data, then I guess you. A bit out of luck, uh, but if your business model is just about harvesting data, then well, that's not too great. You should probably change that. Um, but yeah, so signing with Apple, I think that's really cool. Um, I really like that. Cool, I'll let you take HomeKit. Uh, so, HomeKit, so if you have a HomeKit camera, uh, like a CCTV camera at home, Apple are introducing HomeKit Secure Video, which stores 10 days of clips uh, in your iCloud account, does not count towards your storage allowance. Um, this is encrypted. Apple can't even view it. It's incredibly private, unlike third-party alternatives. They're also introducing HomeKit-enabled routers, uh, which put a firewall around HomeKit accessories. Uh, Linksys and Eero are some of the first partners to be releasing these. So say you have a smart camera um, or a smart light or smart thermostat if something for some reason they somehow they got hacked uh, your router your home kit router will put a firewall around the device and quarantine it off um, iMessage is getting a little bit of an update uh, they are adding the ability to set ice cream van ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, we saw the creepiest ice cream van yesterday oh god that was horrifying that was actually horrifying. horrifying i cannot emphasize enough how horrifying it was 
and I thought I just heard it. Um, iMessage <laughs> now allows you to uh, set a profile uh, picture, and they use this to sort of transition to Animoji and Memoji, or Memoji, uh, which can now uh, have makeup, piercings, AirPods, um, and they've introduced... Memoji stickers on all devices with an A9 chip or later, which is pretty much everything that runs iOS 13 except the iPad Mini 4 and the iPad Air 2, uh. which cannot do Memoji stickers for some reason. But I'm guessing it's because how they render them or something. Uh, but this is basically Apple's equivalent of Bitmoji. I'm very excited. I use Bitmoji all the time. I love it. I'd use Memoji, except I can't get one to look like me. It just does not work in the slightest. None of the hairstyles match. The face structures don't really work. I cannot get one that I even identify with in the slightest, so I've never really used this feature. Um, mm. There are new portrait lighting features. They've added a new one, which is called I cannot remember. Um, oh, it was stage. Mm. It made sense. It's an effect. It's effectively it's like the stage light mono, except it's now white, white rather <laughs> yeah. than black. So, yep, that's a new portrait lighting effect, the first one since iOS 11. But you can also now adjust the lighting of intensity, so as if the light is moved further and closer away from the from the subject, so you can make, uh, say, the studio light brighter and have more of an effect, or less so if you want to. This does have a big effect on, you know... It, it, on it, the it, feature's use and validity. Yeah, it, it does, and I hope this actually works as well. Other than, unlike the other stage light effects currently in iOS. They're all still beta and they've never been touched. And don't really work. <laughs> some of them are alright, like this natural light and the stage. Yeah, the those, those are fine. But uh, stage light, no, no. No. Um, there are now new editing tools in photos which are kind of like Instagram's editing tools. Now, I love editing a photo in Insta. Uh, it, it gives you basic tools that can really improve the photo. Um, but then when you save it, it then potatoes the quality, uh, so it's no good. Now you can do this natively in the Photos app. You could always do it to an extent, but the terminology and phrasing and sliders are more similar to what, what you expect from Instagram. So I'm really down for this. And they've actually brought the same tools to video, so you can do basic video editing inside uh, the Photos app. And you can now rotate a, a video, you can flip a photo. And it's, crop a video as and well. And crop a video, all stuff that should have been there years ago. Uh, the sort of editing side of photos hasn't been touched in a while either, and that's good yeah. to see. Uh, we've already been through the photo organizing done by AI. Uh, AirPods get a few features, which is kind of cool. Wasn't expecting them to get. Have you heard where, what Air, are these coming to first gen AirPods as well? I have not heard this. Because they didn't say either way, and I'm wondering if it's only an H1 chip thing, which I'm wouldn't gonna, surprise me. I'm going to guess it's only the H1 chip. I would assume so. I would very much assume so to get Siri being that advanced. Yeah. I, In fact, I'm almost certain. Um, but the AirPods now announced a message when it comes through. It reads it out to you, and you can sort of reply in very natural language, it mm. seems. It looks very, very cool. And audio sharing. Now, this was a feature rumored for the iPhone 11, but it's actually dropped now. Well, I guess it hasn't dropped yet. It will be <laughs> yeah. in iOS 13 alongside that phone. Um, but it was sounded like it was just going to be an 11 thing. But no, it's coming to everything that runs iOS 13. Uh, if you have AirPods... And your friend has AirPods, you can bring your phones close together and share the audio. This is brilliant if you're on a flight or a bus or something and watching a movie together. It's Or just want to just share a quick video. This is very, very cool. Very cool. Uh, HomePod's got some new features, some really cool new features. Uh, there is now Handoff, which should work seamlessly. Because Handoff, at least in my experience, has always been pretty great. Um, or nowadays it is. Uh, you move your phone playing a song towards the HomePod, it will play on the home pod and vice versa you can pick it up and go with it 
Um, tune in and iHeartRadio are now on the HomePod, meaning 100,000 radio stations worldwide are now on the HomePod. I've heard customers ask about that before, and I'm glad that's there. And the HomePod can recognize multiple voices, something it's supposedly been able to do since it launched, but they've only enabled it in iOS or AudioOS 13. Uh, so if if you come into the room, Lex, and you say to our HomePod, because we're a couple now, remember, um, read my messages, it will read yours, and or it'll play music you like, and then if I say it, it will do the same for me. Thank God. This is, I need this. This is really, really cool. I don't share my HomePods with anyone, really. Uh, the, to, to an extent where we'd have our own tastes, so it's it's fine. I do. Yeah, so you do, which is brilliant. So this is going to be really cool. I'm really interested to see how well this works. And I'm interested to see how you sort of set it up. Yeah. It'd be quite cool. Same. I'd imagine you sort of train it with your voice and be like, this is Holly. Um, but yeah, it could be very cool. Um, personal responses. Yeah, that's, that's that. CarPlay has had a bit of an update. It's been redesigned a little bit. has a dashboard, which is quite cool. They kept saying how things are going away so you can focus on your artwork or, or Siri hides in the corner so you can focus on the map. Never mentioned focusing on the on the road. Um, <laughs> autopilot, sh- isn't it? Autopilot. Shortcuts is now built into iOS. Uh, so everyone who updates to 13 will get the Shortcuts app. Hoping Hopefully more people will use it. Probably not. And Siri's voice has got even more natural. It's quite a big difference, actually. Mm. Um, it's quite noticeable. I can't remember what they called the technology. Something, something T- TTS, text-to-speech. Yeah. Um, neural text, something like that. Anyway, uh, basically, the cadences and the emphasis, emphasis in speech is much more natural, leading Siri to basically sound like she's saying some really naturally good sentences. Well, makes I remember much more when natural. they yeah. introduced the last update mm. to Siri's voice and thinking, wow, that's so much better. Like it was like yeah. day and night, and this again is yeah. not that sort of difference as it was before, but no. another big update. It is, yeah. It's really, really good. Cool. Something leaked right before the keynote, literally right before we went in. I wonder how that happened. It was um someone went into some sort of I think it was a press statement from Apple, or that was ready to go out in the newsroom, and they saw the terms and conditions, and it said something like. Uh, Apple software includes iOS, macOS, iPadOS, and everyone's like, wait, what? Um, so we heard that iOS 13 would get iPad-specific redesigns, kind of like how it, when they introduced iOS 11 a few years ago, they showed off the iPhone features and then it came back on stage to be like, and there's more for iPad. They basically did that again, uh, but this time they've done so much redesigning where the iPad comes in that they've decided to rename it to iPadOS 13. Uh, at the moment... This is very clearly just iOS 13, but a bit different on the iPad. Uh, But the point is, going forward, they are no longer constrained by what they've done on the phone. They don't have to make them match up. In a few few years, these things could look entirely different, have entirely different core principles about how they work. Really exciting that the iPad now has its own OS. At the moment, yeah, it is literally just iPad's version of iOS 13, but this is really big going forward. Um... It brings a new home screen that hopefully we'll see even more redesigned to in iPadOS 14 and going forward. But it is a start. You can now get your widgets down the side on the left. The app icons are smaller and closer together so you can have more on the, on what's effectively your desktop. Apparently on an iPad mini this looks awful in beta 1. Uh, apparently the app mm. icons are far too small. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. That will obviously get tweaked. You by want the final small week. icons? Have small have icons. small icons. Um, <laughs> this keynote in a nutshell. Like you want this? Fine. 
have it. But you will pay for it. Oh, you yes, you will. will pay for it. Um, <laughs> iPad OS is now also the uh, the first paid OS. I'm joking. <laughs> Imagine. Well, they used to charge for the iPod Touch iOS updates, so that was that was fun. Um, they've added. They've changed. Re- they've changed multitasking a bit. Uh, it's even more complex as we mentioned last week or last episode mm-hmm. it I was wasn't more... quite the overhaul I was expecting it to be no it's, that it's very sense. clearly an extension yeah. of what already exists yeah. Yeah. which I was kind of hoping for because I like the system but it is complicated and it's one of those things you just try something and see if it works which isn't great but 9 times out of 10 something mm. does work so you should be fine um, but yeah, you've got like an app expose now. You can have multiple instances of the same app. Stuff we heard nearly yep. two years ago from Bloomberg mm. um, that this was all meant to be in iOS 12, but they slowed down. And imagine if they hadn't, and following on from iOS 11, done this. It would have been so broken. It would have been a fiery mess. They probably in development <laughs> around January 2018 were like, oh, God, this is not <laughs> happening in time. This uh, is so broken. Let's just release iOS 12 this year. And I remember last year's keynote was fantastic. They did so much good stuff. Yeah. If they were trying to get all of that into iOS 12 last year, it would have been so broken, but so monumental. Yeah. It would have been unbelievable. Um, but I'm glad they slowed down. I remember thinking, okay, we're going to have a quiet year. It'll be kind of boring, but we'll get to it. it it's interesting. Boring, I but... wonder if they would have split iPad OS if if they had gotten it all done last year. I think so. I suspect it was the plan mm. and then the iPad Pros would come out in the fall and then it mm. would just make more sense. Mm. Um, so there are updates to files as well. Uh, to the files app, you now get column view, which I saw as a concept like exactly this. Yeah. Um, but it looks really good. It looks I'm... really good. It's basically like Finder now. Branching directories is like, yes please. Thank you. Files looks a lot more like Finder on the Mac now. Yeah, it's, which is kind of what I want. Yeah, it's exactly totally. what it should be. Yeah. You get quick actions like in Finder. You get shared folders in iCloud Drive. So it'll be like Dropbox, you can have a shared folder. Or, or like Google Drive, you can have a share a folder with a friend. You get access to native access to file servers as well. And USB drives and SD cards are now supported. Like I think like this is a thing that everyone complained about when the iPad Pro came out. In practice, we haven't needed it. No, occasionally no. you will, but and I it's think it's one of those things sort of which is that being like, yeah, yeah, here it is, but we're not going to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I mean, it it certainly was valid criticism at the time that this wonderful Pro machine, like you can't even plug a USB stick into it. But in practice, it wasn't a real well. I say for us anyway, it wasn't really an issue for us, as I say. Um, but I'm very glad that it's there, even if it just shuts up people from like it. It was pretty much the only negative of the whole review for these for the 2018 iPad Pros, is that you know this it's and wonderful. And yeah, that as well. Um, they're wonderful, but the hardware is great, but held back by the OS, and now has its own OS um, with lots of cool new stuff, which I'm glad about. I think it's awesome that iOS never ever got external storage support effectively now yeah it never happened um cool uh direct third party app imports so you can import photos into lightroom for example uh rather than the photos app you can just plug a camera or an sd card in and go straight into the app um unzipping files this was on the slide i think it was i can't remember or it will no it was it was a slide but it wasn't like the big slide it was mm. it was just like yeah. so now when you download a zip archive on your iPad uh, rather than just be like zip archive 
it can actually unzip and zip a file. Yeah. Uh, thank God. Uh, desktop class browsing in Safari. So, um, yeah, boy. iPad defaults to the desktop site when it visits a website now. Uh, it has a download manager. Yes. Um, yeah, this is really, really cool. Uh, another thing that people have complained about on the iPad for a long time. Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, again, all good, uh, all good stuff. I mean, I think this really just does address all of the issues that people had with, with the iPad Pros last year. Um, and it would be interesting to see how, if this had all make, made it into iOS 12, um, or and iPad OS 12, it would have been a completely different sort of review cycle for them, um, which would have been interesting. It would be interesting to see what those reviews would have been like if, uh, if this had all already been out. Um... But yeah, all all good stuff. Um, yeah, happy with it. You can now download fonts. We suspected there'd be a new font manager. You actually get them from the App Store, which I didn't see coming. Mm. Kind of isn't quite what I wanted, because what if the font you want doesn't go onto the App Store? Yeah. I can see them reversing course on this, say, next year. That yeah. On the slide for iOS, iPad OS 14 yeah. is just like, download fonts from anywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can grab the scroll indicator and scroll now. Uh, you can drag the cursor with your finger. You can drag the text selector. There's new gestures for copy, paste, and undo. They've done more black magic and reduced the latency on Apple Pencil from 20 milliseconds to 9. That's crazy. Like, I'm looking forward to see if you can notice the difference. But... Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, obviously, last night when we were at ATP Live, um, Marco was. Made, made a good point that like when you're getting to that short of a time frame single single digit milliseconds like computationally that can start to become an issue you know that that's <laughs> such a such a quick such a small time window for the whole system to react to what you're doing you know it's very cool it's very cool the and they were already industry leading and now they've cut it in more well, than the half. second gen pencil was yeah. a massive improvement over the first in yeah. terms of latency so it's it's ridiculous um, and Pencil Kit API. Uh, so yeah, boy. Now developers can play with the pencil in more ways than before, which is really, really cool. And there's quick access to markups if you're on a website, on a photo, drag up from the bottom left corner with the Apple Pencil, and it will sort of go straight into markup mode, effectively taking a screenshot that you can edit. It's very, very cool. Um, yeah, so that's iOS and iPadOS 13. Really good updates. Kind of overshadowed by what happened next, because uh, <laughs> yeah. no one cares about software this year because there was a big hardware announcement. Should we talk about Catalina first? Yeah, let's, it, let's talk about Catalina. It's a better order to do things in. Yeah, uh, but but Apple decided to do it in a different order. Uh, so let's do Catalina. And we also haven't at all mentioned Swift UI, which is massive. I feel like I want to finish off with the other thing. We'll get we'll get to uh, okay. So let's do Catalina, then the developer stuff, and then the the yeah. other thing. Um, but we're not going to get that all done right now. So let's we're going to have to finish that off later because I'm looking at the time. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, we are in San Jose. There's stuff going on, and we have places to be. Uh, so let's do Catalina, and then we'll pause and do some more recording later. So we'll probably have a voice change because we'll be like uh, tired. Yeah. Um, but all right, let's do Catalina. Let's do it. Um, it's dead. It's dead? It's dead. What's dead? iTunes. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mac OS 10.15 is called Catalina. This name came out of nowhere. I think that's why it bothers me. All the others I'd remember seeing on like their list of trademarks. I probably saw it here. It's named after an island that's near Los Angeles, out in the in the sea. 
Um, it's very far away from Apple. Uh, it's a weird one. Uh, I'm fine with it, but it's just not what I was expecting, so it hasn't settled in for me yet. Catalina. iTunes has been broken up. Uh, it's gone. Um, and yeah, as, as as we said, it's not even sitting in around in the utilities folder anymore. Um, all of the its constituent parts have been broken. They made a lovely meme. The meme was amazing. Oh yeah, that was that was classic. They're like, we know you love iTunes. We know all the you love the little things it can do. How about calendars? Can you do more with iTunes? I think yes, <laughs> said Craig. Calendar oh. support, <laughs> Safari support. Even have a dock. <laughs> <laughs> How are you gonna switch between? Oh god. How are you gonna switch between apps? We're going to put a dock in iTunes. I love oh, Craig. He's just hilarious. It just shows how, how close they have their ears to the ground. You know, yeah. this kind of stuff. Um, they do. They really do. They do. And I think that's great. Um, but yeah. So, obviously, we, we, we'd heard rumors that obviously, um, uh, you know, music, podcasts, and Apple TV, um, which is obviously going to be TV Plus now, and obviously and that kind of stuff as well, is going to be broken up into its constituent parts. Um Interestingly enough, the music app uh, seems we don't have any details yet. Obviously, we've got it's, places it's and stuff, not, it's but not it's a not a UI kit app. It it's not a UI kit app. It, it is, is an it is a yeah. Mac app from the ground up, which is good um, because that was I I feel like that was the big thing that was really gonna could really be an issue. I'm looking forward um, to playing around in it. Me too. After me this, too. I'll be putting the Catalina beta on after this episode is all securely online. Yes. Um, and then I'll uh, we'll have a look and see what's going on. Yeah, that could, I feel like that could be really interesting. Um, and obviously, we didn't really see much of podcasts and uh, and Apple TV as well. But yeah, similar similar things going on there as well. Um, the big thing, though, obviously, is all that sync management and obviously your device management. That uh, this is kind of why we were expecting iTunes to sort of move into the utilities folder, sort of or die a slow to death. Introduce like a, a sync utility app. Yeah, but it's gone into a very logical place. Yeah, <laughs> really logical actually. Um, it's living in the Finder. It lives in the Finder. It's like any old other USB external device these days, um, and it will pop up in there, and you get all the same functionality that you would expect from obviously iTunes. Um, and the menus it pretty much looks identical as well. To be honest, you get all the same things you would expect. But if you are stubborn and still into on syncing your iDevice um, then it's it's there for you yeah or if you're a developer and like need to do it for Xcode true it all does for Xcode and as like uh, people were pointing out hopefully this means now that when installing Xcode base you no longer have to quit iTunes uh, because <laughs> yes. all your syncing is done through Finder. Uh, no I, I've never understood why people are so insistent on still syncing through iTunes because I hate it I hate it so much I get it sure if it works for you but I can't. I personally can't get it because I I couldn't be happier with doing everything wirelessly over the cloud. It just works for me so much better. Makes so much more sense. Um, but that's me. Um, the only time I think something through iTunes is when I'm playing with one of my old things. Uh, so like a fourth gen yeah. iPod Nano or something. Yeah. Um, that's the only time I need it, and I'll live on in the Finder, which uh, is cool. Yeah. Um, little thing as well, 4K HDRs um, content is now available in on the Mac uh, in the in the new TV app as well, which is nice. If you have um, a 4K HDR Mac, yes, not many of those around. Not many of those around. <laughs> uh, How about what what a, what if you had like more than HDR? What like some kind of extreme dynamic yeah. range? Yeah, like no, they, you know what they should not support. You know what they should have called it? They should have called it um, uh, high high. HDR. Hi hi. Yeah. Hi HDR. HHDR. HHDR. Double HDR. Yeah, double HDR. 
Dub Dub HDR. Dub Dub HDR. Dub yeah. HDR. Um, yeah, so Project Sidecar has been realised. Yep, interesting enough, called exactly what we thought it was It's going literally to be. called Sidecar. Yep. Um, and it's actually literally what people said it can't possibly be. It is literally turns your iPad Pro into just a screen for your redundant Mac. Pretty much. Now, uh, you do have sort of some inputs. Um, on specific applications, so if you you can kind of use it as you would sort of a, a, a Wacom digital tablet and stuff like that, you know, Adobe and other applications will support input um, from the Apple Pencil and stuff. Um, but otherwise, you're right; it does just really seem like a secondary display, which is kind of uh, the functionality is there. Why not? I suppose at the end of the day, mm. you know, they're not shying away from the fact that people still need MacBook Pros. Um, and portable laptops. Yeah, they've given up on that. They're like, okay, the Mac is still a part of people's lives. For the time being. For a long time. For a long time, you know. Um, And they've accepted that, which I think is good, because although the iPad Pro is wonderful, there is just some aspects of people's workflow which you just can't do on an iPad. Um, And it's getting easier, you know, every day. But for the the time being, you still can't, you know, there's no Xcode, as as an example. Um, and there is still no Xcode. That has not been announced. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Sidecar's cool, I guess. And I, I feel like people will get over the fact that it's demeaning the iPad Pro pretty quickly. If you have this functionality, you might as well use it. Exactly. Um, voice control uh, has come to macOS and iOS as and iPadOS as an accessibility feature. Uh, you can now literally control everything with your voice in natural language the demos in state of the union seemed a little bit buggy but we are three months away from release uh so this is really really cool and yet another way apple's leading accessibility forward interestingly enough while i'm while i think about it we forgot to mention that in ipad os 13 um, Mm. cursor input from a usb mouse or apple's wireless magic trackpad as far as i'm aware the magic mouse does not support this for some reason um, oh, yeah, it needs to be a wired USB mouse or a uh, magic trackpad. That's what, what? I read last night. I don't oh, know if anything's okay. changed overnight and people have figured out more. Um, but as Federico Vatici just randomly predicted, and this was like, oh no, it wasn't random. I swear he said that he heard from someone and didn't he, want he to didn't say, say who. He yeah, didn't that say was who. it. Yeah, I remember. Which um, isn't this not too long ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and this is exactly what happened. You can now literally control an iPad with a mouse. It's just an accessibility feature. Eventually this may become a full-on feature. Uh, but the, the software is now there. Um, but anyway, uh, voice control, that's really cool. As predicted, Find My iPhone and Find My Friends have been merged into just Find My, uh, which allows you to locate an offline iOS, macOS, iPadOS device uh, using pings uh, from the offline device. Like It sends out a secure Bluetooth beacon, a bit like the Tile devices, to nearby iOS devices and sends their location anonymously back to you so you can see where your device is, even if it's offline. This is brilliant. Um, And in the first iOS 13 beta, they've been taking it apart uh, in the area that handles things like AirPods pairing, Apple Pencil pairing, there is reference to a device that's called Tag 1,1. Uh, so this rumoured hardware product, like Apple's equivalent of the Tile trackers, is very much present in iOS 13. Whether it will release alongside the iPhones in September, we will see. But it sounds like this is very much in development. Whether it's designed for sort of consumer use or just enterprise, we will see. 
uh, <laughs> our favorite uh, Catalina brings activation lock to T2 Max. So back in iOS 7, Apple introduced activation lock, which means if you restore a device with an Apple ID, uh, it's useless until you enter said Apple ID. Uh, and this is now on any Mac with a T2 chip. I'm guessing they could never figure out a way to make it work before the T2. And this is the first big update since the T2, really. So they've just implemented it now. This is great, unless you uh, work in our sort of environment where this will be a nightmare. An but absolute nightmare. Personally, I'm happy this will be on whatever Mac I buy next. Yeah. yeah for personal use case, is wonderful. But for like our professional lives, it's going to be a massive pain. Does that have a T2? The 2018? When did they bring that to MacBook Pro? Was that 17 or 18? I think maybe 17. Ah. No, 18, I think. I swear it was 18. What was the, it was the iMac Pro. It was the iMac Pro that had it first, and then, and then it, it was the 18. Yeah, because the yeah. 18 MacBook Pro was very much bringing what was in the iMac Pro to the MacBook Pro. Yeah, so uh, this laptop does have a P2, and it means I need to turn that off, actually. I want to be able to boot from the stick if I need to. It was Oh, yeah, you're right. It was definitely the 18. So. Yeah. Um, and then we get to Project Catalyst. Just saying, I have a T1 because I'm edgy. Um, so Project Catalyst uh, is Marzipan. Is Marzipan got a new name? Mojave had Marzipan. Catalina has Catalyst. Um, whether they're different or what, we don't really know. We speculated beforehand that Apple may want to get rid of any preconceived notions of what Marzipan is and be like, no, we're telling you what it is, and it's called Catalyst. Yeah. Um, but Steve Trout Smith did some very light digging, and if you search for Marzipan on the developer portal. You get loads of results straight up referencing Marzipan apps, being like how to prepare your apps for Marzipan and things like that. As of last night, if you search for Catalyst, nothing came up. Mm. So this sounds like an incredibly recent name change. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we were, we were saying earlier um, that when they sort of when when they introduced this bit, they were talking obviously about the apps last year. Um, you know, home voice memos and stocks and another one news. Um, that were all sort of running off of this, you know, uh, early prototype, which somebody dubbed Marzipan. Um, now, they, he did also then go on to say that, uh, you know, they've learned a lot from there. And obviously, you know, the way that those sort of work may be different. So it wouldn't surprise me that sort of there may be some underpinning, underpinning technology which has changed since then. And it was enough for them to warrant a rename. Uh, maybe they did only rename it the last minute, but... Who knows? They're crack marketing team. Exactly. The crack marketing the team. crack marketing team. They are definitely on something. I'm not sure what it is, but they're a crack marketing team. They can team. still count, which is good. <laughs> unless it comes to iPad, because iPad starts at 13. Uh, Maybe it'll be iPad OS 26. iPad OS 26 next year. 26, yeah. Yeah, I can see that it'll happening. It'll be XVI. XVI. iPad You mean OS 10VI? 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 10V1. 10V1. Yeah. 10v111. X5i. X5i. iPad OS X5i. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So we have the. Sounds like a BMW. It does sound like a BMW. Yeah. We have the developer stuff to talk about, and we also have some hardware to talk about. We will get to that in a moment. We're going to take a short break, and we will be back shortly. So we'll see you in a bit. Okay, so we just got back from the talk show live, which was amazing. But let's carry on with our topic list, and uh, we can talk about that a little bit more later on. So, what were we doing next? We were doing developer stuff, weren't we? So, we'd just done Catalyst. Mm. Uh, so, now we're on to Reality Kit. Uh, do you want to talk about Reality Kit? Do you know what it is? I kind of know, but not enough to talk about it. Yeah, well, essentially that was... Uh, um... Wasn't it a framework for creating, like, 
Yes, framework for, for like creating and rendering 3D objects. To go so, into an AR kit. Scene. Exactly. So AR kit sort of works on the on, on the underpinning, works on like the, uh, the surfaces and sort of gets the dimensions and the floors and the angles and, and the planes worked out. Um, reality kit basically does that, but to the object to w- which you're rendering, if that makes sense. So that deals with like the lighting. So obviously AR kit and reality kit are quite closely tied together but one lays the the sort of groundwork for the other if that makes sense ar kit is obviously this is the third iteration um with stuff like people occlusion which is really really cool um and yeah so that i said that measures the the sort of physical environment gets the planes all sorted out and reality kit sort of actually um feeds that information to that 3d rendered object i think yeah, that's that was my understanding of it. Yeah, uh, they've introduced Reality Composer as well for both Mac and iOS, uh, which allows you to really easily render these, create these scenes. Um, I'm trying to think what application either Craig or Jaws just described it to um, as. Even they said uh, something, and it's like they described it as going like you would go into this application and do this yeah, thing. Yeah, I can't it's remember. A, it's a bit like that. I can't remember. But the thing is, what they were trying to get across is that it's really f-ing such easy. a niche. Oh, no. But as as in like the other application, you know, the sort of the industry standard already is such a niche tech that so few people sort of are uh, au fait with that. And obviously, the idea of all of this is to bring this sort of in into the hands of the developers, mm-hmm. into the hands of people that are actually going to implement it, and obviously make it accessible to everyone. Which is arguably obviously what ARKit did when that was introduced. You know, uh, what three years ago. So, yeah, we briefly touched on ARKit. This is ARKit 3.0. I am introducing people occlusion. So, finally, if a person walks in front of your scene or behind your scene, uh, it's it's not going to... They can walk behind an object. They're not just going to come out on top. Um, this is something that has been a massive a massive problem with AR and getting in the way of the realism of it, but it's always been one of those things that everyone assumed is just how it is, and no one really complained about it. But Apple have actually done something pretty damn cool and made it so that people interact with the world better. Um, they've trained it on many different bits of human. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen to the talk show live and you'll uh, get the reference. Um, parts but, of a body. Body parts. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that works. But it sounds really cool. Um, and then there was Swift UI. Uh, so SwiftUI is a whole new framework for developing your apps, and it <laughs> it makes it very very easy. Um, fundamentally, you create something visually in the interface builder in Xcode, um, and then you can in real time see your code doing the background stuff. So you sort of say, "This is what I want," and then SwiftUI figures out how to do that with code. And then you can just jump between the two, make a simple change to the code, and then it instantly reflects into into the uh, the canvas where the interface exists. You have a live preview. You can interact with it. You don't have to build and run it in the simulator. Um, and then very simple uh, Swift code will interact with Swift UI, and it just makes everything a lot easier to do. Um, but unfortunately, this <laughs> this does require iOS 13 or newer. So any existing apps need to uh, drop support for anything older, uh, meaning <laughs> if you want this in your app, you can't have it running on an iPhone 6. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a tough one. Hopefully they'll add support for iOS 12 and 11 maybe in the future. 
Um, but Swift UI can be used on across all Apple's platforms. So iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, tvOS, any of those apps can be created using Swift UI. It's really, really cool. Um, and again, a bit like iPadOS, this is just the start. We'll see where this goes. Uh, but this is more sort of a realization of the plan Apple set in motion with Swift back in 2014. Uh, really, really cool. Yeah, uh, this is kind of one of the biggest announcements of the whole of WWDC this year. It is massive, and it's kind of hard to sort of get across just how big this is. But it makes UI development a breeze in reality. Um, obviously, that that real time editing that's huge, um, and obviously just sort of the the simpleness of of, um, of commands and stuff. You know, your code ends up being so much easier to read. There's just so much less of it, uh, which is great, really. Um, yeah, it, it's really promising, um, and it's going to be really cool to see, obviously, apps that come out of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, for sure. So let's, uh, let's move on from software. Um, one thing to mention, I don't think we mentioned earlier on, and I briefly touched on there, the compatibility of iOS 13 and iPadOS 13. Mm. Uh, so they've dropped support for the 5S, the 6 and 6 Plus, the Mini 2, and the original iPad Air. Uh, have you seen the Catalina capac- um, compatibility? I haven't. I haven't. I really want to know if it still supports 2012 Max. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, compatibility of... Uh, it looks like it's pretty much the same as before. Yep, same as same Max that Ram Mojave will run uh, Catalina. So, we're in the clear... 2012 club we're in the clear cool so let's uh go talk about the hardware announcement uh today well yesterday at this point was indeed mac pro day uh, apple finally unveiled the mac pro that we've been waiting for for over two years and it is very much done it wasn't even a teaser we sort of went in wondering would we actually see this rumored teaser we all sort of assume so um, but yeah, it, it's pretty much done. Like you will have seen it all over the internet by now. They have hands-on demos here. Uh, they have ads on Twitter for it. They have loads of pictures. They have the uh, the configurations all figured out. All the specs are out there. Full pricing isn't out. We just have starting prices, and we know it's shipping in the fall. But this thing's ready, and it's awesome, but pricey. But it is a very professional machine. Um, so. <laughs> Apple sort of started this by saying we love the Mac as they love to do uh, just just remind people that they love the Mac and then they shared some specs uh, there you can configure it up to a 28 core CPU uh, with 300 watts of power dedicated for the processor uh, 1.5 terabytes of memory uh, so your RAM this previously on the iMac Pro maxed out at 256 gig which was already ridiculous 1.5 terabytes of RAM yep why not uh, it has four Thunderbolt 3 ports and two USB-A ports. Um, it has a 1.4 kilowatt power supply, which, as John Syracuse pointed out last night, it is just at the legal limit for this kind of device. Uh, it has plenty of thermal headroom, three enormous fans. Yeah, it's as quiet as the iMac Pro, so this thing shouldn't get hot like the 2013 Mac Pro did. Uh, so we won't be visiting the thermal corner, we hope, with this one. <laughs> you can have optional wheels fitted to the bottom of the case. And the case, by the way, if you haven't already seen it, 
it looks very much like a modern version of the cheese grater. So the design first introduced on the Power Mac G5 and the Mac Pro all the way up until the 2013 one used. Um, you can have 1000 audio tracks open in Logic at once uh, and they have done some really cool stuff with the graphic cards. So do you want to go through what is known as the MPX module? Yeah, so the MPX is, is really cool. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around first off. Um, but it is essentially a graphics card that can be made up of multiple GPUs, potentially, depending on how you configure it. Um, what I'm going to do is actually just head to the website and talk you through the options that you can go for. Um, now, they are all Radeons of some description for the time being. Um, who knows whether they will add support for sort of other GPUs in the future? Um, <laughs> NVIDIA. Yeah. No. <laughs> I feel like if they were going to make up it, it, it would have happened. Um, no, not, not happening yet. Uh, here we go, tech specs. So if we scroll down a little bit, and when the page loads... Cool. Okay, so there are three different sort of graphics cards you can go with. Um three different MPX modules, should I say. So, the way this works is you can have two MPX modules um, uh, in there, and you can have two GPUs per MPX module. Um, so you've got the AMD Radeon Pro 580X, so sort of the, the base GPU, so to speak. Um, and as then up from there, you've got the AMD Radeon Pro Vega 2, and then, up from there, you have what's called the AMD Radeon Pro Vega 2 Duo. Um, now, that's kind of the interesting one, to be honest. Uh, and it's kind of ludicrous. So, if I scroll down again, we've got some a little bit more information here. Hold on, let me find it. Okay, so essentially the way it works is you can have um, two AMD Radeon Pro Vegas in one MPX module, making having giving you essentially the option to have or uh, GPUs sort of running at the same time. Now this is ludicrous. Um, two Vega 2 GPUs, each with 64 computer units, and basically you can get up to 64 gigs of uh, HBM2 memory, which is ludicrous. I mean, that's more RAM than, like, anything. <laughs> anything. Yeah, this whole computer is just it's ludicrous. just crazy. The machine is insane. Oh, it's, it's ludicrous. And not to mention this, you get, uh, what, two Thunderbolts on the top. No, sorry, three Thunderbolts. Two or three Thunderbolts on the, two on the top. Two on the top. Um, but obviously you can have, there's also interchangeable I.O. boards. And on the back of these uh, these Vega 2 Duo uh, MPX modules, they also give you four Thunderbolt 3 ports and one HDMI 2.0 port. Um this thing is, it's just crazy. The GPU options are one of them. This MPX module is one of the most interesting things about the computer. Um, I'm excited to see what further ones they bring out yeah. over time. This is obviously just the start. Definitely, definitely. Um, and it's interesting to go to see where they go with it as well. Because, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, AMD's great, right? Um, <laughs> but obviously, this, this Radeon Pro Vega 2 Duo is the world's most powerful uh, graphics card. Like, there's no. There's no two ways about it. Like, 56.4 teraflops. What? Like, it's just I, crazy. I cannot fathom what kind of job requires this. 
Like this computer at full capacity. Three, saw, three string 8K, I guess. I saw... Um, so if we get to pricing, I mean, it's it's available in the fall. It's going to start at f- uh, $5,999. $5, um, there will be a server rack version as well, which is a different case designed to fit in a server rack. Uh, someone estimated that a maxed out Mac Pro is probably going to cost about $35,000, which is really painful. Um, but this machine is is worth the money and I, I really can't wait to see when the configurator's sort of there it, but it doesn't let you see specific prices and stuff but that's not the problem with this machine because Apple also unveiled another hardware product that we knew was coming and is equally as awesome, it's just incredible and that is uh, the Pro Display XDR catchy name um, now this starts at $4,999 we sort of predicted eh, might be uh, two grand at the most, hopefully around fifteen hundred. When we when we were first sat down and we actually started watching the keynote, we were like, okay, we could see this going up to two nine nine. Yeah, and then it's four nine nine. What? <sighs> and then <laughs> right at the end, they mentioned, oh, if you want a on a want a Visa mount, that's fine, one ninety nine. We're like, okay. Well, we no, we should talk about the mat option first as well so essentially there's actually two different types of displays you can go for and the difference is uh well i suppose it's not really a matte option as they went into great detail to tell you um now obviously these lovely screens they can be prone to glare and putting this matte coating over screen isn't always the best solution because then it looks kind of stupid Uh, it just doesn't look as nice you know you lose some of the color accuracy and stuff and some of the brightness what they have done here is what's called nano nano texturing i believe Mm -hmm. um where they potentially fire some lasers and stuff at the the screen um which does some cool texturing to the glass which sort of stops obviously all of this glare now apparently this is it's it works like it really really works um looking at the display side by side if it's in sort of perfect lighting uh you can't tell the difference which is what you want um but then obviously if you are in imperfect conditions and there is any you know obviously glare on the display obviously of your of your standard 4999 configuration um if you do decide to go for the uh for, for the nano texturing which supposedly as i said really really works you get no glare whatsoever um it's an extra thousand. Yeah, it's an extra thousand pounds. So you're going up to that. <laughs> That's base the same price. price as the <laughs> Mac price Pro. Is the Mac Pro. And uh, then, yeah. just to rub it in, at the end they said, "Oh, and this glorious stand we've created for the display is nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars, taking you up to a seven thousand dollar display." Um, I find this pretty eye-watering, uh, but it is an awesome display. It's kind of worth it. Oh yeah, it is. Like, the, what was the price of that reference display? Was forty three thousand dollars. Forty three thousand dollars. So Apple have used their infinite resources yeah. and money and amazing minds to create a product that's better than the competition, the closest competition, and be able to sell it at a tasty margin and still make it like what did they say? It was like a almost a tenth. A tenth for the price. Yeah. That's without the stand. Without the stand, so you can just prop it up with some books uh, or <laughs> lean it against the wall. Uh, the, displa- the stand is adjustable, which is really cool. It's magnetic. It attaches magnetically to the display, so you can rotate it into portrait mode. I love it when uh, when they brought up, this is going to be great for you developers when doing coding, and everyone was just sort of like so in shock of the price that no one reacted to this. You could just tell everyone in there was just like, uh, uh, yeah, I guess, but 
Seven grand? Uh, and then around town in San Jose today, what we've been hearing, the genu- the general consensus is people kind of want the Mac Pro, but no one is even considering paying this kind of money for the display. But unless your name's Marco. Unless your name's Marco, who even jokes... Probably seriously about oh, he's getting, definitely getting one, getting two. But like, he he might be getting a second, and I'm sure he will. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is really really cool. And yesterday I came out the keynote being like, okay, so I guess I'm not getting a Mac Pro because like there's no way I'm having the Mac Pro about the display, and I cannot afford or justify that. But no, on reconsideration, I still want the Mac Pro. But there's no way I'm getting this display. It's just not happening. I'm going to have to have like the old G5K or, or, or a third-party equivalent. Um, but yeah, no. That, that display is incredible. A bit like the Mac Pro itself. Incredible, incredibly expensive. No one's complaining that the price really is all justifiable. Totally. And I, I think that's, that, that's uh, people have got to remember that, is that even this isn't the same machine that it's replacing. It isn't even the same machine as the old cheese grater. This is even more high-end. You know, this isn't just for people that want a powerful desktop. If you want a powerful desktop, buy an iMac Pro. This isn't for that at the end of the day. Um, and I, I think that's something that you just got to kind of keep in mind, is that this isn't designed for consumers at the end of the day. If you need this, you know you know you need it. And if you don't know you need it, you don't need it. <laughs> like That's the thing, um, is that this is not consumer um, it's very not consumer. Not As I was all. saying yesterday, the iMac Pro sort of filled the space that the uh, that the Mac Pro used to have, mm-hmm. and now this is above that. Like this is incredible power. Like it's ridiculous. It's it's insane. Um, yeah. But my dream Mac has always been one I can take apart and tinker with. This is so modular. It's unbelievable. The only thing you can't upgrade is the CPU, even the SSD. Uh, you can put graphics cards in there. You can change the I/O board. You can't change the power supply as well, but like, no one really expected that. You could even slot in an optical drive if you want. Uh, you got to figure out a way to mount it, but it can go in there. It's just they went all out. They still managed to make it somewhat pretty. It's not just a boring box. They made it a piece of design. Like piece they, of they design. designed it at the Functional end of the day. Functional design. Yeah, it's very very cool. I'm very happy with it. I'm so glad it exists. I really hope I'll be able to get one, but we we will see when when the configurator launches and s- see what goes down. Yeah, I I must admit though, um, something that Ben Mayer said that uh, obviously this display being called the Pro Display XDR, I wonder if that does mean that there is a Pro Pro Display coming that isn't XDR because if that's the case, I really hope so. I mean, yeah. XDR we should touch on as well. Apple have decided yes. this is extreme dynamic range rather than high dynamic range. So uh, they've called it the XDR. There may be a Pro Display HDR. You never know. Like, yeah, yeah, I'd be down for that. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the the thing with the HDR though is that it's uh, what a million to one contrast ratio, and it is very, very good. <laughs> That's the thing. This whole display um, is is just like the Mac Pro, really. That's the kind of customer it's obviously being aimed at. It's a complete package, um, and. Uh, Craig said tonight uh, on the on, on the talk show. Spoiler alert! It was Craig Federici, um, mainly. Joss was there, but it was Craig. It was Craig. <laughs> it was Craig. I feel like that was <laughs> that was an Apple decision. If you want Craig, you got to have Joss too. 
Um, you know, he, he, he was sort of um, talking about use cases and that obviously in, uh, you know, Hollywood being, being an example, um, that this, say, £43,000 Sony display, I believe it is, um, you know, a, a production company would have one of these and it would be at the end, the very end of the uh, sort of the, the production cycle. Um, and, you know, if you had a complete film and you got to the end and they were like, oh, yeah, I believe the example used was, you know, oh, your shirt's the wrong color. Go back, redo the whole thing. Um at this price point, although it's incredibly expensive, you can have, you know, if you want to get the stand as well, not as many as 10, but uh, you can have, you know, multiple of these much further down the pipeline so that things like this just become so much more streamlined um, because it is still cheap. That's the thing. Compared to its competition, which obviously I don't know much about, and obviously, of course, Apple would, I'm sure, that Sony display is probably the most expensive bit of competition they could find. I'm sure there are ones that are cheaper than $43,000, but maybe it is the best. Uh, not really my area. Um, but although this appears to be, at least, um, you know, so much cheaper than the competition, you know, that's a great thing. Uh, and obviously, with the, the, it's got two fans in it as well, um, and obviously this sort of... Uh, this tri-interlocking spherical hole punch design that they've got on all of them. Um, supposedly increases surface area as well, which makes sense, so it acts as almost a, a bit of a heat sink there. Um, this this thing can sustain, for long term, a thousand nits, and a peak brightness of 1600 nits, which is a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a wonderful display, and I can't wait to go and actually see one. Um, yeah, I feel like it's really going to take you back. I really want to see the viewing angle. Like, yes. I can't picture it in my head. I can't. Because, I mean, Marco was saying, and at the time he, he'd been the only one that had seen one, um, you know, sort of up close, because uh, he's press, obviously, um, that literally you get to 90 degrees on side on side in this thing, and it's only at 90 degrees you can no longer see it because, you know, <laughs> physics gets in the way. Um, and it looks almost like it is painted on. And I must admit, it's got to be got to be one of some one of those things that you got to see in person. So I can't wait till. Uh, and I, I want to see how do. big it is because apparently it, it really is quite big. I it, mean, um, it is a thirty-two inch LCD. We should mention. Yes, yeah, uh, thirty-two <laughs> inches. The Retina six K display. We do get ahead of ourselves sometimes. It's a Retina six K display. It's forty percent larger than uh, the twenty-seven inch iMac display. Um, and it's uh, it is a P3 display as well, so it can display wide color and uh, yeah, it, it's it's undeniably very very cool, but it's it it's gonna be very I yeah that's not happening for me. No, no, uh, yeah, it's it's a super awesome display, but unfortunately, obviously, at the end of the day, it's just not consumer. Um, and there is no developer on the planet other than perhaps Marco Armand that's actually going to buy one of these things and turn it portrait. You know, I could see him having two, one side by side, one portrait and one. We uh, should mention one this, landscape. If you have a 2018, uh, 2019 MacBook Pro 15 inch, you can buy two of these displays. Has it been confirmed that it's 2019 MacBook Pro? Uh, no, but I, I assumed it was. I would assume so. Uh, I think they said latest in keynote. So, oh, okay. um, and if you have the Mac Pro, you can power six of these. Six. Oh my god. It's insane. Like this display is serious business. Serious enough that it has to as I said, it has two fans in the damn there thing. Are two fans. It also has the holes from the cheese grater on the back of the display. The the actual design itself is part of the heatsink. It's it's really cool. I actually I must admit those those holes 
are really growing on me. Yeah, they kind of remind me of like the interior of like a like a Pagani or something. I don't yeah, know. they're it's, just so arbitrarily crazy. It's 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 really cool. Man, what a good keynote! <laughs> it was a it was a really solid keynote. The Apple year has begun. The Apple calendar. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next year. So I have a confession. Um, I must, I must own up. I accidentally forgot to do the exit script, uh, in the last episode. We didn't say goodbye. <laughs> we just sort of ended. Uh, so I'm going to do it now. Uh, thank you very much, uh, for listening to this WWDC special of the Blueing Show. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can send us an email, send it our way, podcast at com. If you want to find the show notes for this week, not that there are many because it was just WWDC, um, but or any links to things we have referenced, uh, such as the talk show and AltConf, you can find them at blueinkcode.com forward slash TBIS forward slash 17, or you should be able to see them right now in your podcast player. I've been Jack Taylor, and I write blueinkcode.com. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, whichever you prefer, at at ajacktaylor. As always, I've been joined by my co-host here in San Jose, California, Lex McCohen, and you can find him on Instagram or Twitter as at a McCohen. And we will see you back in the UK in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye.